Remain standing. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. I'll begin reading with verse 22. 20th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You may be seated. During Paul's second missionary journey, he entered into Europe for the first time to preach the gospel. At Philippi, he won a lady to the Lord by the name of Lydia, the seller of purple from Thyatira. She was there in Philippi selling her the goods. He baptized her and then apparently established a church in her home. After casting demons out of a young girl that continued to plague his ministry every day, just standing around and to the crowd, she would say, these men are the great men of God. You know, the, the devil's handmaiden, a woman with a spirit of divination, saying, these men are the great men of God. And she was not glorifying Jesus, she was glorifying man. So finally, Paul had enough of it and he cast the spirit of divination out of her. The leaders of the city were angry because they had used this damsel for personal gain. And they, they got a lot of money using her gift of divination. So they had him ar arrested and Paul was put in prison. In the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, going back a few chapters and in verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothing and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now it was dark in this prison. It was a hole in the rock. Very little air to breathe. And it was stale and humid and putrid. The smell of human waste and urine. Their feet were in stocks. And they'd been badly beaten, badly beaten with many stripes. And here's Paul over in one corner. Over in a dark corner was Silas. And there was a sound. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And Silas said, Brother Paul, is that you? He kind of thought he was unconscious from that bad beating. Oh, yes. Brother Silas, God is good. It's an honor to be beaten for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be thrown in prison and to be bound with our feet in these shackles. And so together at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And the sound echoed through the prison, up through the grate, 
and out to the front door and out on the streets. And from that inner prison, there was a Holy Ghost camp meeting going on inside because they refused to be bound by their circumstances. They were bound by shackles. They were bound and put in the inner prison. The inner prison is reserved for the worst offenders. And so they were treated like the worst offenders. But together, they prayed and they sang praises at midnight. The other prisoners were probably cursing them. And probably, why don't you guys quieten down? This is not a camp meeting. This is not a church house. And so they probably were cursing. But it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And a revival broke out in Philippi. <laughs> he said, Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And he spake unto them the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. You know, I, I believe tonight there's some people right here in this room that could get baptized before you go home. Because you know that if Paul and Silas could preach in that prison and get people saved, and before dawn of the next day, they got baptized in water. Some of you need to get baptized before you go home tonight. <laughs> Returning from Paul's third missionary journey, he's warned that he's going to get put in jail again. The prophets tell him, if you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound. He says, I go bound already. I'm already bound. I'm bound in the spirit. In verse 22 of the 20th chapter of Acts, I go bound in the spirit. His personal testimony included many sufferings. He was not afraid of prisons. He was not afraid of beatings because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Five different occasions, Paul was beaten with 39 unmerciful stripes. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings, often in perils of waters, perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So Paul had the burden of spiritual leadership for all the churches that he had been partly responsible for founding. So he was not a converted convict. He was a convict because he was converted. He was in prison because he was saved. 
Now he faces his final journey to Rome where he's going to die. He knows that in his spirit. When the prophets tell him, you're going to be bound in Jerusalem, in his spirit, he already knows what the outcome will be. He's prepared to die for Jesus, for he says in Acts chapter 21 and in verse 13, I am ready not only to be bound, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm ready. And so it was no surprise to him that they took part of his clothing and said, with this, this represents the bonds and the shackles that's going to be put on you if you go back to Jerusalem. He said, you're, you're breaking my heart. I'm not only ready to be bound, but I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to look at God's prisoner. He was a prisoner for God. He said, for this cause, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. He was not ashamed of his imprisonment. He was not ashamed of his feet being shackled. He was not ashamed of handcuffs. He was not ashamed of the beatings. Paul's chains did not bind him. The jailer could not bind him. In fact, he said, I go bound in the spirit. I go bound in the spirit. His, the chains that he was bound with were stronger than prison bars, stronger than the stocks they put on his feet. God sent an earthquake to get him out of jail, but now then he's bound in the spirit. You know, you don't get out of that kind of uh, imprisonment that easily. You can't, an earthquake won't set you free. His chains were that of love, that of compassion, that of being burdened for the lost, that of being devoted to Christ, that of caring for the, the believers that had found Jesus and many of them suffering persecution. His chains were chains of love and compassion. What binds you tonight? Some of us are bound up with a lot of circumstances. We're inhibited, we're restricted. We don't do things that we feel like we should be doing because you say right now, this just happens to be my lot. And I've got to get through this. I've got to get over this. And Paul said, none of these things bother me. I'm, I go bound only in the spirit. The only thing that can bind me is the Holy Ghost. Whoo. The scene is in Caesarea. It's on the Mediterranean coast of Palestine. A short and a shriveled up man moves up the gangplank of the ship. He's headed for Rome. It'll be his last journey. He's manacled with chains on his legs and on his feet. His persecutors jeer and cast aspersions and insults at him. But God has made a decision that Caesar must hear the gospel. God made a decision. The gospel has got to be heard in Rome. And I have a man that is willing to go through whatever it takes to get there. And so he moves up that gangplank, short, shriveled up, burdened and beaten, bruised from all of the many things that have taken place in his life. His chains represent how God is going to accomplish the witness to Caesar in Rome. This is how God's going to get the gospel to Caesar, through those chains. 
In Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples in the 10th chapter in verse uh, 18, Ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony. He's fulfilling prophecy spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, the Holy Ghost said, This is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. This is what God told Ananias about Saul of Tarshish when he was afraid to go and witness to him. And God said, he is a special chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before kings and before the Gentiles. Paul doesn't hang his head as he struggles up that gangplank. In, in fact, he says, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I must finish my course with joy. I must testify the gospel of the grace of God. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. I must testify the gospel of the grace of God. When you're so compelled and filled with the love of God, when you're so bound in the spirit that persecution, discouragement, bad times, difficulties will never stop you from pursuing what God has for your life. When you get it up in your mind, I'm going to take back what the devil has stolen from me. I am going to have the victory. I am not going to let these things move me. I will not let my loss of a job. I will not let financial burdens. I will not let uh, bad health or anything else. The enemy, anything stand in my way. I am going to accomplish God's purpose for my life. You need to be headstrong. You need to t tell the devil exactly what God says in his word. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you begin to give the devil the time of day, he will overcome you. If you listen to his arguments and his reasoning, he'll so discourage you, you'll just throw up your hands and quit. But you are to resist the devil. Devil, get out of here. I am not taking it. I will not be discouraged. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I must testify of the grace of God. You can do it from the hospital bed. You can do it in prison. We've got men sitting in this room today that spent some time behind prison bars, but they testified and they witnessed for the Lord Jesus Christ while they were there. None of these things move me. Paul was an ambassador in bonds. Ephesians chapter six and verse 20, he says, I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Even from his prison cell, he wrote the Pauline epistles. He sent messages to the churches to encourage them, to instruct them, to correct them. The apostle Paul preached to great people. He preached to kings and governors, to Felix and Drusilla in the 24th chapter, to Festus, the governor, in the 25th chapter, to Agrippa II and Bernice. Bernice was a sister to Agrippa, but he lived with her as a mistress. And so he preached the gospel to Agrippa. And he preached the gospel to Festus and to Felix. He must also preach to Caesar. I've got to get to Rome. I've got to get to Rome. In the 27th chapter in verse 24, in the midst of the storm, the raging storm for 14 days and nights when they could neither see the sun, the moon, and the stars, an angel stood by his side and said, don't be afraid. For thou must also be brought before Caesar. Acts chapter 27 and verse 24. Thou must be brought before Caesar. You know, some people think that Paul made a mistake in deciding to go to Jerusalem when the prophets told him, if you go there, you're going to be put in jail. 
And he said, I'm going anyway because I'm willing to die. Not only to be bound, but die. But God said, you're not going to die in Jerusalem. You're going to Rome and you're going to preach to Caesar. And the angel said, thou must be brought before Caesar. The chains would guarantee him an audience. You couldn't get into Caesar and preach to him or testify to him if you wanted to, if you were willing. And you said, oh, I, I just tell him that the apostle Paul's out here and I need to give him a message from God. He'd never get there, but those chains guaranteed him he was going to get to preach to Caesar. <laughs> the difficulties that you've encountered guarantee you you're going to face circumstances you would not face otherwise. Some of the things that you've been putting up with and you've been complaining about are nothing more than divine opportunities that God has put in your way so that you can accomplish his purpose and you would never be there if it were not for those circumstances. The chains that have bound others down through the, the history of mankind. George Frederick Handel wrote the Messiah after bankruptcy and after failing health and a stroke. John Bunyan spent 12 years in Bedford's jail and from there he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, a classic. John the Apostle was exiled to the Isle of Patmos where the worst type of prisoners were sent on that rocky crag. And there he heard the voice like thunder speaking to him. And he wrote the book of Revelation. And he said, when he was in the isle that is called Patmos, he wrote the Revelation. Lewis Braille was blinded when he was three years of age. He was pierced in his eye with an awl in his father's harness shop. At the age of 20, he was a teacher for the blind at the school in France. He designed the Braille system by, of dots by which the blind today can read. Because of these things, he also became a skilled musician and was the organist for a large church in Paris. Beethoven, many of you know some about his music and you know that his life was plagued with going deaf and yet he continued to write and continued to amaze people with the gift that God had put in his heart. He never entirely lost hope during that period of time. Fanny Crosby was blind, yet she wrote, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Praise him, praise him. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait. Safe in the arms of Jesus. She wrote hundreds of hymns, though she herself was blind. Look at the ministry of this prisoner, Paul, in Acts chapter 20, verse 23. Bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. I must testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul's mission to Caesar was not a plea of self-defense. He did not go there to say, Caesar, I'm innocent. I don't deserve these chains. Will you give me my freedom back? Oh, no. He didn't go there to plead his case. He went there to plead with Caesar to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and heed the call to repentance. So he went there to preach the gospel. The witness of the gospel he must testify about. Your circumstances allow you ministry that maybe tonight you don't understand. I don't know why Irene and Jackie are at St. Luke's Hospital tonight but I do know that while they're there, people will be blessed 
when they come into that room and see these two radiant Christians, they blessed us so many times coming into this. They did this morning in the early service. What a blessing to see them. They drive great distance and come and, and just their, their very appearance, their smile. My wife stopped and talked to them as they were leaving after the early service this morning, just minutes before they fell outside. And she was overjoyed that she could spend that time with them before they had that terrible accident. But a hospital stay can become a great mission opportunity for you. Trouble may be an opportunity. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't begin to complain and moan and groan. Be a witness. They're God's ambassadors in this room tonight. Some of you are nurses. Some of you are service personnel. Law enforcement officers. Construction workers. Secretaries. Salespersons other office workers and other kinds of career people and laborers in the workplace. And God puts you there. You may not stay there. God may have something better, bigger. And, and if he does, thank God for that. But while you are there, you be a witness for Jesus. You let your light shine for Jesus. God puts you in the neighborhood where you live. And you know, your, your, place, your home should be a witness that this is a house where the Lord is glorified and honored. And no evil will ever come under this roof. He was there for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, I would that you would understand, brethren, that the things that happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. In verse 13 of Philippians chapter 1, he says, My bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. In verse 14, he says, many of my brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He wrote these words also about how that we are comforted with, the, that we can comfort others with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted. You know, sometimes you've found peace in the midst of the storm and you will be able to share in someone else's storm and tell them how God brought you through yours. And you can comfort them with the same comfort wherewith God comforted you in the midst of your storm. God hath reconciled us unto himself and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, constrained by love, bound in the Spirit. Bound in the Spirit. I want our musicians to come back and our singers and in a few moments, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to just to pray about your life and how God can use you and what's going on. Some of you have been through a terrible divorce. You've been through abandonment. You've been through financial pressures that just stagger the imagination. Whatever it is that you've been through, I want you to see more in it than just the circumstances on the surface. I want you to see how God wants you to react and how he wants you to just beam with the glory of God and shine forth for Jesus in the midst of your trouble. Praise God. I got a long distance call from uh, a person in Arizona. I forget the place in Arizona. They're watching a television program. I had another long distance call from Alabama. And, and they wanted to know something about why good things, why bad things happen to good people. Why bad things happen to good people. Well, there been a lot of books written about that. been a lot of sermons preached about that. But I'm telling you, Paul said, it doesn't matter what happens, good or bad. 
I've learned that godliness with contentment is great gain. You studied that in Sunday school. If you were a good Christian and came to Sunday school, if you didn't, you need to be repenting. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 